0: Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network Today we're doing part 3 of chapter 9 of the teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives The chapter is entitled Eternal Progression, Eternal Lives We'll be starting with Hugh B. Brown The time will come when all men will know something of the glory of God But the time will not come when I or any other man will arrive at a point in knowledge, experience, or understanding beyond which I cannot go. In other words, we believe in eternal progression. Hubie Brown, The Abundant Life, page 116. Hubie Brown went on to say, When we speak of eternal increase, we speak not only of increase of posterity. We speak of increase of knowledge and power that comes with knowledge, increase of wisdom to use the knowledge and the power wisely, increase of awareness and the joy that comes through understanding, increase of intelligence, which is the glory of God. Increase of all that goes to make up Godhood Hubie Brown, continuing the quest, page 40 Gordon B. Hinckley I want to give you my testimony of this work and I want to say in that way that in such a way that you can remember that I said it I know this work is true. I know that God, our eternal Father, lives. I am thankful for the knowledge that he loves us as his children. I am grateful that I feel in my heart to a great love for him. I know he lives, my Father in heaven. I can scarcely comprehend the wonder of it all. He who is the creator and the governor of the universe knows me, knows you, each of you. He loves you. He is concerned for you. I know that Jesus is my Redeemer, my Lord, and my Savior. I know that. I can't comprehend the full meaning of the atonement, but I know that through his sacrifice, he has made it possible for you and me to live eternal lives of growth and knowledge and understanding and work, regardless of whether it's on this side of the veil or on the other side of the veil. That was spoken in Promontory Branch, Tremont, Utah, South Stake Sacrament Meeting, October 15th, 1995, Messages of Inspiration from President Hinckley LDS Church News, March 2, 1996 See also Gordon B. Hinckley, Teachings of Gordon B. Hinckley Page 153 Neil A. Maxwell When we know who we are then we know also much more clearly that we might become what what we might become, and also how and when. The gospel thereby in, emancipates us from uncertainty as our ident as to our identity. But this precious perspective also begins with an in, intensification of our personal accountability since we know who we are and why we are here. A wonderful light, a wonderful flood of light, pages 43 through 44. M Russell Ballard. Clearly Jesus and his disciples understood the heavenly Father's plan including eternal opportunities for spiritual progression. But beyond that, we don't have any specifics about the next phase of our eternal lives that's where our faith comes in we know that god has promised incredible blessings to those who learn in this life to walk by faith and exercise the mortal agency he has given to us to make good decisions and choices including, it should be noted, the choice we all have to believe this eternal plan and not to believe it. That should be enough. We don't have to know all the details of those promised blessings. We just have to have confidence in them. And Russell Ballard, Our Search for Happiness, An Invitation to Understanding, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, page 80. B. H. Roberts It is said that those of terrestrial glory will be ministered unto those by those of the celestial, and those of the telestial will be ministered unto those of the terrestrial. That is, those of the higher glory minister to those of a lesser order of glory. We can conceive of no reason for all this administration of higher to lower unless it be for the purpose of advancing our father's children along the lines of eternal progression. But if it be granted that the chief fact about intelligence is that they have power to add fact to fact, and thus build up knowledge, and through knowledge have wisdom, and thus make progress. And if such intelligences there is granted eternal life, immortality, then it is useless to postulate any limitations for them. For in the passing of even a few thousand of millions of years, even if progress be very slow, there will come a time when these intelligences, men and women, of even the celestial glory, may become very acceptable characters and very important personages. Outline of ecclesiastical history, pages four hundred and sixteen and four hundred and seventeen. Continuing on with Hubie Brown. Even with the possession of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, I pray you nevertheless not to look for finality in things, for you will look in vain. Intelligence, purity, truth will always remain with us relative terms and also relative qualities. Ascend to what heights you may ever beyond you will see another height in respect to these things, and ever as you ascend, more heights will appear. And it is doubtful if we shall ever attain the Absolute in respect to these qualities. Our joy will be the joy of approximating them, of attaining unto an everlasting increase, Increasing excellence without attaining the absolute. It will be the joy of eternal progression. B. H. Roberts, Relation of Inspiration and Revelation to the Church Government, Improvement Era, 8, of March, 1905, page 369. God's Immutable... immutability should be understood as to exclude the idea of advancement or progression of God. An absolute immutability should require eternal mobility, which would reduce God to a condition eternally static, which from the nature of things would bar him from participation In that enlargement of the kingdom, and an increasing glory that comes from the redemption and progression of men. And is it too bold of a thought that this is progress? Even for the mightiest, new thoughts and new vistas may appear. Inviting to a new adventure and enterprises that will yield new experiences advancement and enlargement even for the most high and that's B.H. Roberts the 70's course in theology page 69 and 70 and that was given in 1911 William W. Phelps Phelps, W.W. Phelps And again it is not only promise and again it's not only promises the return of Israel in the latter days but it declares that they shall seek the Lord their God and David their king seek David their king here remember that David has been dead many years for Hosea prophesied about 170 years before the Babylonian captivity It opens the meaning of the latter part of the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, which, speaking of the gathering of Israel, says that they shall dwell in the land that 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 I have given unto Jacob my servant, and they shall dwell therein, they and their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. David must have had his eye upon the same thing when he said in the 71st Psalm Thou shalt quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth hold on here okay No man will attempt to say that the children of Israel have lived in the land of Jacob, governed by David as king or prince, since God by the mouth of Hosea and Ezekiel declared that such should be the case in the latter days. The secret of the matter is that God, in his infinite wisdom, prepared the children of promise, the heirs of the celestial kingdom, to live twice in the flesh on the earth, once in a state of probation and once in a state of approbation. And this is the reason why Job exclaimed, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin works destroy this body, yet in the flesh I shall see God. Evening and morning star, July 1832, page 14. Continuing on with W. W. Phelps, we shall by and by learn that we were with God in another world before the foundation of the world, and had our agency in order that we may prepare ourselves for a kingdom of glory. Messenger and Advocate, June of 1835, page 133. Page one hundred and thirty. If Jesus came to die and rise to lead captivity captive, so did Joseph come to die and increase the power to bind Satan that eternal lives might might come eternal progression may search the eternal round with without impotent. The Prophet and the Patriarch have gone to Paradise to bear testimony of the wickedness of the world, and help hasten the deliverance of the saints. Joseph goes back among his old associates of the other world, who have waded through like scenes of affliction in several ages past, and being beyond the power of death, as he was mighty for life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, among good men to raise and exalt them for eternal lives. How much more almighty He will he be with the spirits of the just men made perfect and the holy ones to prune the vineyard, remove the bitter branches, and give room for the speedy fulfillment of his great and last res- revelation. End quote. The Joseph and Hiram Smith funeral sermon preached by W. W. Phelps Edited by Richard Van, Van, uh, Van Wagner and Stephen C. Walker, BYU Studies, Volume 23, 1983. William Clayton President Orson Pratt spoke in favor of suggestion of the chaplain and advised the brethren to improve the opportunity while we cross the plains to get all the information we can. It was finally moved and carried via vote, vote by voice, that the doctrine of the resurrection be a subject to commence with and the following brethren expressed their view in regard to it viz. Charles Smith, Jesse Turpin, George Mayer, James Park, David Wilkin, Edward Stevenson, and Edward Bunker. The views of these brethren seem to differ, very material on the subject, and there was very little or no light manifested by anyone. It appears that the great difference in views is in regard to that, is in regard to what is commonly called the baby resurrection, which idea is instead of bodies being raised out of the ground, We shall be born again out of a woman, as we were when we came into this world. Brother James Parks agreed very strongly in favor of this kind of doctrine. This was a matter of astonishment to me, as I had never before heard of such doctrine to understand it. The Intimate Chronicle, the Journals of William Clayton, pages 429-430. through Joseph Lee Robinson We also heard him Joseph say God had revealed unto him that any man who ever committed adultery in either of his probations that that man could never be raised to the highest exaltation and celestial glory and that he felt or that he Joseph felt anxious with regard to himself and he inquired of the lord and the lord told him that he joseph had never committed adultery this saying of the prophet astonished me very much it opened up to me a very wide field of reflection the idea that we had passed through probations prior to this and that we must have been married or given in marriage in those probations or there would be no propriety in making such an assertion, and that 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 there were several exaltations in the celestial kingdom of our God, the highest we suppose to be the Godhead, and we conclude that there are several grades of exaltation in the servants of God, uh, uh, in the servants to the gods. Be this as it may, this is what he said. The Journal of Joseph Lee Robinson, page 12. Benjamin F. Johnson In infancy, we were fed upon milk and in childhood by a loving hand. While our mistakes were tenderly astonished, as we became older, we began to grasp the principles and issues of physical life and mode of for its sustenance through labors of our hands. While the gospel as an alphabet with its possibilities reaching every pinnacle of truth and light within the great science of eternal lives. Is given to us as a spiritual or intellectual food. Through which by faith we can forever grow in the knowledge and power of, of the gods to become in reality and fullness even the sons of God, with glory, exaltation, dominion, and eternal progression through the procreation of endless lives. Benjamin F. Johnson's letter to George F. Gibson, 1903. Eliza R. Snow After recounting some of the history of Israel regarding the exodus that the children of israel have been forced to endure including the latter-day saints she writes but they have been driven from those gathering places from time to time yes driven farther west there was the land which god was showing them at first it was too distant to be seen even by the eyes of faith too many thousands of miles even for the spartan heroism of the sisters too dark a tragedy of expulsion and martyrdoms and too many years of exoduses and probations women of martyrdom women of mormondom page 72 hugh Nibley. while the apocalypse is Abraham's autobiography written by himself during his lifetime. The testament begins with the story of his death. It is a true book of the dead, dealing with the vicissitudes of the soul from the the painful experience of dying to the ultimate exaltation and eternal lives in the realms above. Yet, Though the two texts deal with different periods in Abraham's life, they both have the same theme, the initiation of Abraham into the heavenly mysteries. In the closing lines of the Testament, God the Father says, Take then my friend Abraham to the garden or paradise where the tents of my righteous ones and the resting places Overnight stops. Oh, I'm sorry. The resting places of Isaac and Jacob are in his bosom. In his earliest cosmic tour of the same book, Michael took Abraham on a cloud and led him to paradise, the heavenly court. And that's uh, Hubie Brown, Abraham in Egypt, page 25. Continuing on with Hugh Oh, who is this, you nibbly. This is a principle of subordination, a very important point. Among lights, none are identical. There is a hierarchy. There is a greater, and there is a greater, and there is a greater. There is a hierarchy among many worlds, says the P- the this Sophia. Many of these documents are concerned with the elaborate. Theoretical breakdown of this hierarchy, a favorite theme of the Gnostics, dividing it up into how it broke down and what power was above what, which angel was superior to which, like our friends the Seventh day Adventists who argue as to who has five stars in his crown and who will have six. The hierarchy among the many worlds is part of the tra- a tradition a good illustration of individual variations on a general theme. One of many points of difference between the Gnostics and their rivals was the different way they would put in order and arrange the cosmic hierarchy. Of all of them, however, share the idea of three main degrees of glory. The physicist Sophia, says... You can visit the order below, but you cannot, but not the orders or levels or orders above you. This is the rule in all worlds. You can go to the lower ones, but not to the ones above you. The decrees are described in many of these writings. In his early epistles to the Trillions, Ignatius, the second earliest Christian writer, we have who is accepted by everyone is authentic. Says, "I could write you about the mysteries of the heavens, but I am afraid to, for it would do you would do you harm. But I am able to understand the orders of heaven and the degrees of the angels, and the variations among them, the differences and dominions of thrones, of powers, and of the Holy Ghost." and the kingdom of the Lord, and the highest of all, the rule of God over everything else. There is an infinite hierarchy in the worlds, says the sephir Yitzhara. Christ rules in the second place. His rule, exactly duplicating the fathers, but over a more limited number of cosmoses. Methodenius explains, if other stars are greater than our world, then it is necessary that they contain life greater than ours, and greater peace, and greater justice, and greater virtue than ours. Of course, we think of Abraham. If there is one, there shall be a greater one. And I am more intelligent than they all. Abraham chapter 3, 16 through 19. The hierarchy goes on and on until there is no place to end it, except when it reaches the father himself. These writers were aware of the fact that these doctrines carried over, but they couldn't understand them anymore, so the church fathers got rid of them in the 4th century. The church fathers called them the teachings of the elders and considered them great mysteries because they didn't know what to do with them. Methodenius says that the spirits are equal in age but different in power, intelligence, and appearance. They have been so throughout all time. Why should one be greater than another? This is one of the things the fathers like to talk about. Origen was greatly intrigued and exercised by the diversity and especially by the inequality among God's creatures. Such an inequality, he says, could not have been arbitrary or else the creator would be unjust. He couldn't create a thing small with another great over it. Would that be just? So he concludes that the levels on which we all find ourselves in this world must somehow have been merited in a former life. However, the later schoolmen following Aquinas said that there is indeed a hierarchy and a diversity simply because God wants it to be that way, and for no other reason. They gave the idea up. Aquinas had his idea of the municipality, or multiplicity of worlds, and the great differences among them, and the hierarchy of the worlds. What next? The idea that they were all moving forward. It is not a static system. Every world is progressing. Until Christ opened the way, says the great gospel of Philip, it was impossible to go from one level to another. Death and resurrection. He is the great opener of the way because he gave us the plan by which we can progress. He is the way. That... That's why we call him the way, the road, or the gate. The false progress of this world he compares to the ass turning a wheel, going round and round, turning the wheel, and getting nowhere at all. But being the way, the Lord himself also advances. The Gospel of Truth says thus the word of the Father advances in the cosmos. Being the fruit of his heart, and the expression of his will. Through the ordinances, one makes progress in knowledge, and the ordinances go on and on. There are mysteries so much greater than these, says Theist Sophia, that they make these look like a grain of flour, just as the sun looks like a grain of flour from distant worlds. That is an old Jewish source, too. Everyone here on this earth descends, as it were, to the dregs, earth or dirt, and shares a common substance with all living things. We are the same matter as the oysters and the cockroaches, etc. They will be resurrected too, for they have a spirit, spiritual side. Another very common teaching. We share a common substance with all living things, and from here on out, we begin to work our way up, step by step, to a knowledge of all things. Ever seeking for instruction and in carrying out the required ordinances that will lead uh, that will lead us more, lead us to more. Says the Epistle of the of uh, Apostles. This is the idea of progress. Thus we move, says one, from truth to truth. The further advanced one is, the faster one moves. The gap broadens as you move in a progression. The more advanced you are, the faster you go. And the more advanced you get in relation to each other, a principle Latter-day Saints also teach, to them that have shall be given with exaltation comes an increase and an acceleration of exaltation. Thus we are passed on from, one, from hand to hand, from degree to degree. Our example is Adam, who having been established in Christ and God next establishes his son Seth in the second order, which was to follow him on up. Says the theist Sophia, He who has fulfilled all the ordinances and has done good work cannot be held back. Says the, Gaz, the Jinza, We are taught the principles of salvation so that we cannot be held back in this world. Those who receive certain teachings and carry out their instructions in this world cannot be held back in the world, in this world or in the next. Those who shut the door against me will be held back in the abode of darkness. Those that open the door to me will advance in the place of light. The great blessings pronounced on Adam, according to the same source, say thou shalt have progress onward. Hugh Nibley, Temple in the Cosmos, Beyond the Ignorant Peasant, edited by by Don E. Norton, Let's see here. Foundation for Ancient, Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, 1992, pages 293-295. See the article for the numerous associated footnotes. We are here. As a reward, enjoying an opportunity to achieve yet greater things by being tried and tested that each one might be promoted according to his intelligence and the perfections of his way or to be retarded according to his wrongdoings. Hugh Nibley, Nibley Untimely and the Timeless, page 53. Through matter, or though matter is replaced through an endless cycle of creation and dissolution, only, spirits retain, only spirit retains consciousness identity, conscious identity, so that strictly speaking, only progeny, progeny is immortal, each mounting up from world to world, acquiring ever more treasure while progressing towards his perfection which awaits them all. Nibley, on the Timely and Timeless, page 58. The Sarek Scroll, or Manual of Discipline, from the Dead Sea Scrolls, sets forth the beliefs and activities of the community of pious sectarians at Qumran, in the desert just before the Christian era what Professor Frank Cross has called a Church of Anticipation. Everything is by way of preparation for the eternal planting of the Holy Temple for Israel and the mysteries, secret ordinances of the Holy of Holies for Aaron. Preparation is the theme, hence it is not surprising that the specific ordinances referred to are the initiatory rites. But at the same time, the Sarek scroll makes clear the ultimate objective of its whole operation, exaltation and eternal lives for the members, while plainly indicating the general nature of the temple activities which it looks forward with such eager anticipation. Hugh Nibley, message of Joseph Smith Papyri, an Egyptian endowment, Page 255 The soul, or the psyche, of the man, so and so, of whom I am thinking in my mind, if it has completed the number of cycles of change, may it be led to the Virgin of Light, to seal him with the seal of the ineffable. Then the dead will be baptized and receive the seal and the sign of the kingdom and be taken to the degree of light. Now therefore, let everyone who is worthy receive the ordinances or the mysteries and enter into the light, that mankind may not die the death appointed for them by the forces of natural law, Seek constantly, and do not give up until you have found the mysteries of the light. Every man who comes to you, believing and worthy, give them the mysteries of light, and conceal them not. And give the higher mysteries to whoever is worthy, and the lower mysteries to whoever is worthy of them. Each should receive... To the limit of his capacity. But hide this ordinance of sacrifice, and do not give it to everybody, but only to him who shall do everything which I told you by way of commandment. Hugh Nibley, Message of Joseph Smith, Papyri, and Egyptian Endowment, page 274. In time, all who have repented will come to the middle place, the translation between premortal and post-mortal existence. And those who are in the middle will baptize them and give them the spiritual anointing and seal them with the seals of their ordinances or mysteries, and they shall pass through all of the stations of the middle receiving from each the seal of its mystery and remaining at each level of ordinance until one finally reaches the inheritance of light at each level the soul is examined and tested they will at will all test that soul to find their signs or tokens in it as well as their seals and their baptisms and their anointing. And the Virgin of Light will seal that soul, and the workers will baptize it and give it to spiritual anointing. And then the receptionist hand it over to the great sapoth at the gate of life, call Father, And to him the soul gives his seal and responses with the seal of each degree in the right hand. This is the proper meaning of the word onum. The soul will give its knowledge and with the right hand seal of every topos with hymns of glory and all the assistance of Melchizedek will seal the soul and lead it to the treasury of light the topos of its inher- inheritance Hugh Nibley message, message of Joseph Smith Papyri and Egyptian Endowment page 275 he who performs that mystery and carries out all prescribed forms and figures thereof and its steps will not really come out of the body in doing so. Yet when he dies, he will not have to go through all of it again. The responses and explanations and tokens on the other side, Christ has provided in the ordinances that men need not die the death appointed for them by the rulers of fate in the course of nature. It is done figuratively on a certain level. These things are only types and figures. And that is culmination ordinances. At every station inspection. I'm having a hard time with this. Prove the soul and find together their sign in it. And their seal and their baptism and their anointing. Whereupon they put their seal on the soul and send it forward to the next inspection point this goes on to the highest levels the assistance of light hand over the souls to the great sabioth the good who is at the gate of life who is called father who gives the soul his seal and melchizedek's seal that soul and all the assistance of melchizedek seal that soul and lead it into the treasury of light where it is again sealed and so so goes over into the realm of its inheritance when one receives the mystery by proxy he will not be judged but we will hand him on quickly from one to another from order to order until he reaches the virgin of light who sees the signs and tokens in him but holds him back until he has received complete clearance then seals with him the holy seal for the dead this can be in monthly installments as every month by month the virgin seals the candidate with the higher seal the candidate always moves in the company of his kind each artemithesis set number of souls has its time and place on earth, and when the number is fulfilled or the initiation complete of the Taltoli Psychei, the group of souls moves on to a higher inheritance of light. Every one must remain in the Tapos in which he is until he is ready to receive the mysteries of the next. Only one in 10,000 will ever attain to the mystery of the first mystery. An important episode in the group initiation in the prayer circle, which we have treated elsewhere. There are mysteries far beyond any known on earth. When I lead you to the tapos of those who have received their inheritance, the sun will look like nothing but a tiny speck of cornmeal because of the enormous distance and because the new world is so much greater. These higher mysteries are not for the unqualified who are terrified of them. They go far beyond mortal comprehension. The messages of Joseph Smith, Papyri, and Egyptian Endowment, pages 277 and 278. Even in this short life, we pass through a number of distinct episodes a number of distinct existent existences you could refer to the lives of don decker because he had a very different life as we all have our own seven stages biologically i am assured a very different person from what i was a long time ago These transitions, these rites of passage, are rites that take us from one state of existence to another. The process is an obsession with the human family. Going back to the Stone Age, Don refers to them as a poem of his. And the rites of passage obsesses us here and now, quite literally too. The cultural shock occurs when you pass from one state to another. And the transition transitions are usually quite abrupt. You're born of all of you're born all of a sudden, you die all of a, all of a sudden. Each time you get a new name, a new rank, a new identity, a new function, a new office of priesthood. Or whatever it may be you get new duties new privileges you become a different person on many of these occasions you change your name you go not into another existence the egyptians would say kefar this or that implies changing form without changing identity the classic example of the egyptians was the was the butterfly or the frog a cocoon is not a caterpillar, nor is it a butterfly. The two states are the same are the same creature. But what resemblance would you have ever recognized? Even while we are here, we must give up lives. Lakha which means get up and keep going is the, the title of Abraham's life in the chapters of Genesis that describe him. The book of Abraham begins At the residence of my fathers I saw that it was needful for me to obtain another place of residence. Abraham chapter 1 verse 1. Abraham had to get up and go and he never settled until the end of his life. He had to buy a grave for his wife and for himself from strangers in a strange land. His life was one continual going from one phase to another moving from one existence to another all the time so it is with us here Lech Lecha sometimes it seems cruel, Shakespeare's sonnets are very devoted to much of that theme he treats the passing of youth as a form of death something you'll never get back again you are another kind of person It was another phase of life, looking back is very romantic. It was hell when you were in it, but as you reflect back, it looks quite nice. We make that common mistake about youth. Shakespeare says it is death. This is a profound tragedy, because as far as Shakespeare was concerned, there is nothing to it. It is the baseless fabric of this vision. It shall dissolve, and like the insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. That was Shakespeare's last word in The Tempest. There is nothing more. It is the end of the show. We are all going home. That is what makes the play so very sad to have to pass from one phase to another, but not with us. Not with us at all. Passing from one phase is the normal thing. It makes existence more exciting That—that that is the central theme of the temple, the subject to which my and Don's discussion invariably tended. In each state, the creature must pass through there is something we couldn't get anywhere else. But how can a few brief years spent here, born into trouble as we are, have a significant impact on eternal existence? Eternity is a long time. Earth's life is just a second, a fantastic disproportion. This life, Lehi tells us, is only a probation only a test a test to be searched and definitive and lasting uh, lasts only a few seconds thus we don't need to go on forever suffering in the same nonsense in order to see the things we can we can be tested for Namely, the two things and the only two things we are good at. We can forgive and we can repent. These are the two things the angels envy us for. Of course, that is the whole thing in the gospel. Wherefore, the first word to Adam, Thou shalt repent and call upon God in the name of the Son forevermore. Moses chapter 5 verse 8. When the Lord came to the Nephites, among his first words to them were these. This is the gospel that the Father commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Third Nephi chapter 11.32 This is not a popular doctrine. In my 35 years here at BYU, I have heard only one sermon given by Stephen L. Richards, incidentally, on repentance, and it was not well received. Don't tell us to repent. Repentance is for the bad guys. But Don knew that it was called the gospel of repentance. All must repent constantly, each for himself. You can't repent another person. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 38, 18 through 19 defines a righteous man who is righteous. Anyone who is repenting, no matter how bad he has been, if he is repenting, he is a righteous man. There is hope for him. And no matter how good he has been all of his life, if he is not repenting, he is a wicked man. The difference is which way are you facing? the man on the top of the stairs facing down is much worse off than the man at the bottom step was facing up the directions we are facing that is repentance and that is what determines whether we are good or bad don always pondered the problem of repentance he was aware of it and how few are we are expecting to commit all kinds of sins here and also discover them, and we are supposed to dig the nitty-gritty out of the rug, so to speak. We are sent here, going on for eternity, and eternity is a long time, but we can't go on as as defective vessels. If there is anything seriously wrong with our character, we want to find it out and get rid of it before we get launched on that tremendous project we are after this is the place to find out all of our dirty nasty little sides of our nature it is the only place we can because we are not in the presence of god and the angels here it is possible for us to sin so when god says to adam we shall leave you now but we shall visit you again as soon as he turns who pops up satan he says aha i am here now we can really put adam to the test satan is there to try him and tempt him and us but only if we are left here we are supposed to find out all of the dirtiness and the weak weakness and the sinfulness of our nature and that is what keeps us repenting all the time until we reach the state of a perfect grace and truth let us remember the only begotten is full of grace and truth when we reach that state it will be just dandy we can't can stop repenting i suppose but do we realize what that means what grace love complete love for everything and truth are so it is here that we repent. I remember some of my former lives, my childhood and youth. I was bungling and bemused, wandering in a daze, getting pushed around, trying to push back and not knowing what was going on. It was not the happy, carefree time we think, but it is profitable, profitable to me now. Our lives here will be profitable to us of tremendous value at some future time. We are told that the spirits enter into other worlds somewhat in a daze, from the experience of many people, some of whom I know, including myself. The fact is, we are in a daze right here. I go around in a daze most of the time. But one thing I have learned in the passage from one phase of existence to another is that nothing is lost in the process. End quote. Hugh Nibley, Approaching Zion, Funeral Address, edited by Don E. Norton. Uh, Let's see here. Pages 298 through 303. Here's what we come out for. These are the counsels of the Spirit for the sons of truth while they are on the earth and which will be testing, oh let's see here, or a visitation, somebody comes and checks upon you of all those who walk in this way, it is for this. For healing, for increase of peace, for length of days, for manip- multiplication of offspring, these were not celibates out here at all. Men and women and children were buried in the cemetery together, and all the blessings of eternity and eternal joy in lives, plural of glory, this is net sa, and it's the same as the Latin word neo meaning to shine or to be glorious. And for a crown of exaltation with a garment of glory is white in brilliance, the light of the eternities. A rabbi will tell you, well, we don't have eternal life. Heaven is a philosophical concept. But this is the sort of language we use, isn't it? This is not Orthodox Judaism. You can see why they didn't want it. It's not Orthodox Christianity either. This eternal progression thing and getting the crowns and being tested while you're here, then we get to go or get to the pre-existence. the plan as it was made in the beginning. End quote. Hugh Nibley, teachings of the Book of Mormon, semester one, transcripts of lecture presented to honors Book of Mormon class of Brigham Young University, 1988 to 1990. Farms, page 154. Now it's this name Joseph that plays on. But this is a characteristic thing in genealogy, and Joseph is very special. But the fact that it should be on the same Joseph leading down to Joseph Smith should not surprise you. Nibley teachings of the Book of Mormon semester one transcripts of lectures presented to an honors Book of Mormon class at Brigham Young University nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety farms page 277 in mosiah 1 he is going to give them a new name and a new identity see every time you get a new life or a new advancement a new step or initiation you get a new identity a new persona when a person is born he gets christened he is not christened until he joins the church this is the theory of the Christian world. With us it used to be always on the eighth day circumcision etc. You have a new name and you get and when you get married you get a new another new name. If you get any office you also get another new name. Then at your funeral you get another identity etc. They go through the same ritual every time. And of course, when you reach maturity, there is a very important thing, the right of initiation that comes with maturity. In the Christian churches, it's when you are confirmed, around the age of 15. In all primitive tribes or other societies, when a person becomes mature, reaches manhood or womanhood, there is a right. Then they get a new name. They are identified with another group entirely. Boys are no longer with the women, etc. They now belong to a man's fraternity. These are the rites of puberty. So each time you get a new name, a new identity, a new appearance, new marks, and a new title or degree and quote, Hugh Nibley, Teachings of the Book of Mormon, Semester 1, transcripts of lecture presented to the Honors Book of Mormon class at Brigham Young University, page 448 and 449. See, the Spirit of the Lord guides you. It won't promise you instant prosperity. It will guide you and give you a sense of the things you should be doing. If you don't, you are in a state of open rebellion against God. Therefore, he listeth to obey the the evil spirit. Therefore, if that man repenteth not, and remaineth and dieth an enemy to God, the demands of divine justice... Notice that he shifts this whole thing to a larger scale is on the cosmic pattern and has to do with the other world. That's where atonement takes place. That's where we return to Heavenly Father and are redeemed or brought back again. See all that we re-business, you are redeemed. You are resurrected. You are raised up again. You return and go back. You teshuva which means in Hebrew, to return and yeshiva, sit down once you get there. We mentioned the reconciliation. It it all has to do with going back to a prior condition that you lived in before you came here. It's very clear. As I said, the only alternative to that is a simplistic predestination which just stops everything dead cold, the demands of divine justice to awaken in his immortal soul to a lively sense of his own guilt, which doth cause him to shrink from the presence of the Lord. This is what hell is, of course. And doth fill his breast with guilt, pain and anguish, which is like an unquenchable fire, whose flame ascendeth up forever and ever. And quote Hugh Nibley Teachings of the Book of Mormon Semester one transcript of lectures presented to the Honors Book of Mormon class at Brigham Young University nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety, page four hundred and fifty nine. Now concerning that which was to come. Remember the purpose of the year's the year festival was to return was to determine the fortunes of the new age. It was not just launching a new year. Year is gear and yule. The same word is wheel. It means a turning, a revolution. It's the same word as while. The interesting thing is that in Arab- Arabic the word is Ha'al or Ha'ala. It means the cycle turned and the will revolved and the year went around. The Greeks called it the Anishniaton, that here we are again. Jane Harrison wrote a book about that. You come back again and you are in a revolving circle of time that goes on forever and ever. And quote Hugh Nibley teachings of the Book of Mormon. And same class, that's page 461. All right, continuing on with Hugh Nibley. They treated John the Baptist the same way. Remember, he was the mad mola of the desert. He dressed in camel skins and lived on wild locusts and honey. The people flocked out to see him, etc., Josephus said an interesting thing about him when people asked him who John, who John the Baptist was. Josephus didn't know his name. He knew all about him, but he didn't know what his name was because John, he never told anybody his name was John. He said he was Enoch. A very interesting thing. They took him for Enoch. Read the. Ivi- Via the, uh, the return of Enoch, and of course, Enoch is going to return with Elijah, another one who was tre- treated the same way. End quote. Kuhnibley, Teachings of the Book of Mormon, Semester Two cr- Transcripts of Lectures Presented to an Honors Book of Mormon Class at Brigham Young University, 1988 through 1990, page 76. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're almost done with this. We're at 94%, but I only have 10% left on my battery on my phone, so hopefully I can get through it. And Hugh Nibley is about to destroy my voice, so (laughs) I hope you guys appreciate this. I'm not really a fan of Hugh Nibley, but here we go. Verse 6, And after all this, after working many mighty miracles among the children of men, he shall be led, even as Isaiah said, as a sheep before the shearer's dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He left the celestial circuit to bring us into that celestial circuit. You might say, verse 6 and 7, The Lord must come down to us to arrange for our removal to a higher realm we can't go up there is to make there there to make arrangements he must come to give it to us a chance of acknowledging him and accept the offspring and understand what the thing is it's a sort of marshaling area here verse 8 tells us that it is the physical breaking of confining bonds a barrier beyond which life ceases the bands of death have to be broken, as we are told in 2 Nephi chapter 9, verse 7. The second law would be in effect if it weren't for that. That's the Hawking, that's what Hawking talks about here. Why should the second law have to be broken? Why should it ever be there at all? They are all right back where they started at square 1 now there is no limit to the power of whatever put us here it could put an, another people in another place in other places as voltaire said long ago once we get a person born the idea of getting reborn is just a technical matter just a matter of working out a few bugs if you're already born, if you already got him born out of nothing, all you have to do is repeat the thing. And that's from Hugh Nibley, Teachings of the Book of Mormon, Semester 2, Transcription Lectures Presented to an Honors Book of Mormon Class at Brigham Young University, 1988-1990, through 1990, page 84. Mosiah, chapter twenty-seven verse twenty-five, and the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind must be born again. Notice that is nothing less than being born all over again. We are so completely out of it when we are here. We cannot make the change without leaving the scene. You have to be born again. See, there's the one. See, there's the one world or the other you can't mix them it's a very hard thing as brigham young said as he tried to take the water on both shoulders the latter day saints who tries to live both in wor- live in both worlds is torn apart there's no such agony no worse experience than that and it happens to them here it is as it explains here year born of God changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness a complete change being redeemed of God becoming his sons and daughters they become new creatures it's an entirely different thing as this explains and that's from the same thing we've been quoting from page 191 All right, we have 4% left before we're done with this chapter. It's like four hours of reading, I think. Something like that, I don't know. Maybe it's three, I don't know. Anyway, this is one of the best known phenomenon of ancient history now. It wasn't a few years ago, but I've been yelling about it for years as... uh, I'm sorry, it's one, it's almost two in the morning, but I'm trying to get this out because I go back to work tomorrow. As is well known, this is a stock theme. It is rehearsing of creation, the refounding, the rebirth of the human race. It's Natalia. It is the refounding of the kingdom. It's universal. everybody is everybody is reborn and receives a new name on a particular day, which is the new year. It's gauged by the sun and it, this ceremony, is very conspicuous in the document and only within the last three or four years. The anthropologists have latched onto it. Finally, when they catch up to it, it has become very obvious. You can see that. This is a very basic theme. I noticed the three principal anthropologists writing about this now, they've all got into the act. They're all talking about primitive societies. This universal, then-Geneapes theory is that society has, the regenerate, has to regenerate itself by rites of passage. You know what a rite of passage is, the rite of passage into another world then you have to be then you have to get passage to come back that's what they're talking about now there are two worlds you go to the one and then you come back refreshed and renewed to your old world and begin a new cycle of life this is what they are saying today well it's been obvious for hundreds of years but they didn't notice it they've been following fraser instead which is a very different pattern. Well, Van Genpys' theory is regeneration by the rites of passage. He says it sometimes takes the form of rites of death and rebirth. And Victor Turner says that the rites all apply to the society and don't affect affect the individual at all. The The society first separates itself from its former life, that is what you do when you drive out a scapegoat. You purge yourself of what you were before. They separate themselves from their former life. When Then there's what he calls this transition. And when there's a reincorporation, when you come back to ordinary life, you are good for a new period. Unquote Hugh Nibley. From the same book that we've been quoting from before, page two hundred and seventy-six, and we've only got two percent left, so we're almost done. A very long chapter. <laughs> Verse 39. And Amulek said unto unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth, and and all things teach, and all things which in them are. He made the whole thing possible. And in Hebrews 1 verse 2 says the same thing. He made possible the physical resurrection and he shall come into the world to redeem his people. To redeem something as we said before is to bring back somebody who had been there before to bring them home again. Redemption is to buy back again. It is to buy back something that was yours before and got lost now you buy it back again well we were with him in the eternities before this now we have been separated and then we go back again and he shall take upon him the transgressions of those who believe on his name and these are they that these are they that shall have eternal life and salvation and that cometh to none else and that is from the same thing we've been quoting from page 320. oh and we're gonna talk we're gonna read somebody different oh that's amazing we still have about two percent left so let's see who it is it's michael quinn d michael quinn who just passed away i think last year By the time of his death in 1844, Joseph Smith had also reversed his prior rejection of the Kabbalah doctrine of transmigration of souls. Two of the women Smith secretly married as plural wives in the 1840s said that he privately affirmed reincarnation. Apostle Lorenzo Snow said that his sister, the late Eliza R. Snow Smith, was a firm believer in the principle of reincarnation and that she claimed to have received it from Joseph the prophet, her husband. Priscilla Huntington Buell, later Kimball, also affirmed her belief in plural probations, referring to a statement in confirmation by her polyandrous husband, Joseph Smith. Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview, page 302. Truman G. Manson In mankind, the true and good, the beautiful, are not only reflect reflected, but come to life. And again, the scriptures teach of the inseparable connection, in fact, the eventual union of their highest form of light and life. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of the men, John chapter 1, verse 4. It is, and it is his light that giveth life to all things. Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 13. And in man, the inclusive, all referring to the life of the mind, and all the creative, response responsive forces, that are interwoven in him. A modern revelation speaks not only of a classical symbol, eternal life, but also eternal lives, doctrine and covenant section one hundred thirty two verses twenty two through twenty five. The plural emphasizing expansion and intensification of the lives within the whole person. And that comes from Truman G. Manson, The Radiant Life, page 28. Mm. Richard O. Cowan. What is meant by eternal lives? Beginning in verse 19 of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, the Lord outlines the remarkable blessing to be enjoyed by those who are exalted in the celestial kingdom. In verse 24, he paraphrases the well-known statement in John 17.3. President Charles W. Penrose explained that eternal lives means more than life, more than mere existence. It means perpetual increase of posterity, worlds without end. And that was in Conference Report October 1921. President Harold B. Lee reasoned that if marriage... Then was for the purpose of organizing the spirits before the world was formed, and for multiplying and replenishing earth on which we now live, surely there must likewise be a divine purpose in being continued after the resurrection. This purpose is declared by the Lord to be for a continuation of the seeds forever and ever. Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verse 19 teachings of Harold B Lee by Richard O'Cowan answers to your questions about the doctrine and covenants page 4147. 147 okay so that is the end of this chapter the next chapter will be chapter 10 treasures of the in the heavens and uh, since I'm going to work tomorrow this will be the last um podcast that I do this week. So anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Um, I hope you forgive me for not doing better at these, but I, I'm sorry. It just it is what it is. I actually had a, somewhat of a surgery this week. I I don't know what you would call it, a proce- procedure. Um so I have driving a semi-truck since the 90s and I've been in two accidents which I did not cause but I have three bulging discs in my back, a degenerative disc disease and arthritis and bone spurs and I went and got an injection into my spine to try to help the swelling and the The inflammation and the pain and everything and the numbness in my hands and so that's what i that's what i did this week and i got it done yesterday and i'm trying to recover from that shot so anyway and that and so i drive a semi truck for four or five days a week i do 13 or 14 hours a day Sometimes 16 hours a day, depends on how bad the weather is. And then when I come home, I watch my three-year-old. And trying to do a podcast when you have a three-year-old is pretty interesting, especially when I'm trying to watch him. So anyway, that's what's going on in my life. But I do want to continue doing these, and I do like to learn um, from what other, people, other people's thoughts are. And, um, and share it with other people. So, Because I want to raise this all up so that we can have uh, a personal relationship with God and understand Him uh, more fully. So, anyway, I'm going to end the podcast at this point. Thank you all for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye. plus.